Well, good morning, church family. It is so good to see you guys this morning. Hopefully you guys have had a, had a good week, uh, a great week. We've got another overcast day, and so it's a little bit cooler. Um, and, uh, and like I've always said, I, I've do, I'm done trying to figure out the weather here. So it's okay. It's all right. We're just going gonna to roll with it and uh, figure it out uh, as we go. Uh, guys, we've had an incredible time. If you're brand new joining us, first of all, welcome. If you're joining us online, thank you for being with us. Um, Past couple weeks, we've been walking through a kind of a conversation, and it's been a conversation about family. And I think most, of the, most people here understand and maybe in their own way kind of understand the, the value or the importance of family. In the past uh, couple weeks, we've kind of entered into a couple different parts of these conversations. We've, we've talked about how the family oftentimes kind of has a plan. We always kind of come up with a plan, but sometimes it, it works out being our plan more than God's plan, and we got to figure that one out and, and be... Uh, submitted enough to the Lord to kind of change it however he chooses. And, uh, and then we kind of talked a little bit about the secrets that sometimes we've held. And, and, and if you were with us last weekend, man, we just saw some, uh, I don't know how to call it anything other than just breakthroughs. I mean, God really freed some people from things that they were holding on to. Uh, we just, we, we white knuckle things. And sometimes these secrets turn into what we had called strongholds. And the strongholds um, can become devastating. And they can rob us from so many things. They can rob us from years of being the people that God always wanted us to be. But as I began to think about family, um, so many different things kind of came to my mind. But uh, in regard to family, I, I I'm like, what, what, is an, what does the ideal family sort of look like, though? Like, why, why do we have family? And, and this morning, I, you know, I, I think when we talk about family, I, I think the earthly family experiences we have and, and the dynamics that we understand within it, I, I really believe that it's more of kind of a foreshadowing, uh, if I can say it that way, a foreshadowing of what God's original intent for the family is supposed to be. See, family, the earthly family, we know, look, we got issues, right? We got, we got, some, we got some messes, all right? And, and, and again, we have those secret uncles and secret, you know, aunts, we just don't want to talk about them, okay? They're part there, you know, sometimes they come to the family uh, reunion, sometimes we're glad when they don't, you know? I, I mean, like, there's things that, that go, and we've got messy families, but what is the original thing? What was the original design for family? What did God originally intend in regard to that? I love a couple. Uh, I, found the, I found these great authors. They, they uh, had some quotes in regard to what the family is, and, and they just leaped out to me because they just resonated with me as I began to think about what God originally intended for the family. Uh, Jane Howard said this, call it a clan, call it a network, call it a tribe, call it a family. Whatever you call it, whoever you are, you, you need one. I mean, and I think everyone might understand that, I think, for the most part. I think we all understand maybe what family brings into us. Um, Pierce Brown said this. He said, home, or I can if I can replace it, family isn't where you're from. It's where you find light when all grows dark. See, I love, I love to know that no matter what time I roll in, you know, my parents are retired in Tampa, um, even though I'm originally from California, and um, I know that if Michelle and I and the kids, we loaded up in the car and we got there really late at night, you know what I'd find? I'd find the light on. 
I'd find the porch light on. And it's just, I don't know, it's just that reminder like, man, you're, you're welcome here. Like, this is your place. You can, this, is, this is home. You, you, can, you can be here, and it doesn't matter what you're walking through. It doesn't matter what you're, what you're traveling through, what issues you're dealing with. This is, this is home. It, 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 means, it means safety, you know. But what do I, what do I think of when I, uh, and, I, and as I began to kind of reminisce over different stories in my mind and experiences that I think many of us have in regard to family, um, I remembered one particular family story. Now, um, Christmas is getting closer, and every other year, um, and if you're like this, you kind of go back and forth between your, your wife's family and your family, and, and, and that's kind of how Michelle and I, we balance, okay? And so one year we'll go with Michelle and her family, and then one year we'll go with my family. Now, my family particularly, um, we are National Lampoon's Christmas vacation every time we get together. It is that, all right? I promise, promise. When the 26 of us get together, it is it's a lot, okay? Now, it's mom's desire to get us all underneath the same roof, which is all kinds of loving. I know you're watching, mom. I love you. Um, but uh, it's just, there's just a lot, okay? A lot of feelings and emotions kind of come together. But, um, but I remember when we would go to, uh, they have a timeshare in Orlando, and so, the, so typically that always included like a Disney trip. And, um, and, and so we went to Disney. Now, you'll know the Oates family when we're there because we're that family that rolls in because of my mom. Um, she wants everyone in the same color. Yeah. That's us right here. It's like we're walking around with like this arrow, like, yeah, it's us. We're, we're good, you know. And we're walking around and we got the same color and because and, uh, we got to have the family picture. Right? And, and the family picture is in front of the, the Christmas tree and all the everything. And it's just, and it, and it just becomes exhausting sometimes. And, um, and my mom's like, isn't this fun? And we're like dying inside. We're like, this is great. This is love it. Love it. You're kind of smiling between the teeth. And, and, uh, and I remember one Christmas, we were there and um, I, now there's a, it's a little bit, sketchy here. And I mean, like there's some great, great areas to this story because I know what my family's communicated to me about this story, but I also know that I don't think it played out this way. But nonetheless, this is how the story goes. I, I was apparently, apparently given the responsibility of watching my oldest nephew at this time. Okay, you know, we kind of partnered up and made sure that all the younger kids were partnered up with a, you know, a qualified adult or something like that. And so, so we were all kind of partnered up. And, and so we, we were walking through main, you know, we're like this amoeba walking through Main Street. Okay, just like all the same color. And, and, uh, and we, get, we get there and, and all of a sudden mom, she decides to do her, you know, her every 30 minute head count. Okay, this is just, and she's, she's like, okay, one, two, three, three. She's like, we're missing somebody, you know what I'm saying? Like, all of a sudden, she's, we're missing somebody. And there's this, like, red alerts start going off, like, oh my goodness, we're missing a child. And so, uh, my mom's panicking, my, you know, everyone's sort of panicking, and all eyes are kind of like, Joel, where's Luke? And I was like, I, was, I didn't know, I, I, again, I, I didn't even think I was responsible for Luke in this moment. And so, all of a sudden, they're like, no, we got to find Luke. And so, it, it was 911, my sister-in-law was like daggers to the eyes at me, like, I can't believe you, you know. And, and so, we're literally kind of spreading out through down Main Street, and, and it was almost, it's like this California wildfire. We're like, we're just getting it everywhere. Like, it's just crazy. We're going into stores. And you know what? 
we are going anywhere we're not even allowed to go in Disney, okay? I mean, we're like, like there's no place we're not willing to go to find this lost child. And I remember we're, we're going through, and there's enough of us, so like we're literally kind of canvassing. We could hold arms and like walk down Main Street sort of thing. Like there's enough of us to be able to do that. And so we're like, no one is getting by, and we're going to find this lost child. And, and finally, finally, we're, we're searching, and we find little Luke, and he's, he's on the hip of one of the Disney uh, off police officers, and, and you, know, you know, my sister-in-law wraps him up and holds him, and... and uh, and Luke, I'm so, if I scarred you, I'm sorry. I don't, I, I, I mean, um, but here's why I love this story. Why I, I think God brought this to my mind. Is it's because the whole family, I mean, the whole family stopped everything. Like, we just stopped. We're like, we're missing one of our own. Like, we don't know where that one is, but it doesn't matter what it costs. It doesn't matter what, um, what obstacles are in our way. There was nothing going to stop us from finding that one child that meant the world to us, that means the world to us. And I began to think about family and the original design. And, and God talks about family on many different cases, but he also talks about this morning, which is where we're going to go, talks about the family of God. And it's like, what, what's the family of God? And, and, and that's why I, particularly I think God led me to this because I'm like, you know what, I, I think the family of God is this, is this family that's willing to go, man, we're missing one. Where, do, where can I find that one? Where, where, where do I need to go? What am I willing to lay down? Oh, we're missing one, and I'm going to go fight for that one. No matter the cost, no matter what's going on, no matter the, the obstacles, we're going to we're gonna go find him. And the fact that that one lost child all of a sudden knows that there is a family that loves him, that loves him unconditionally, that's willing to chase after no matter what they're walking through, no matter what they're uh, crawling through in their life and, and the challenges that they're facing, no matter how lost you are, no matter um, what uh, maybe addictions you're dealing with, it's, it's like the family is still coming after you. We're still seeking out for your best interest. We want the best for you. And, I, and that's just honestly, I, I, I was reading as we're getting ready to get into Ephesians here, I was reading this and this is what was coming to mind, this family that's going, I'm going I'm to do whatever I can. I'm going to find you. And I love you. And I want to bring you back into this, this fold of, of safety. And I want your life to flourish. And I want to come around you. I'm willing to risk anything. See, it's someone that's willing to hold on to me. Someone willing to stand up for me when no one else will. That, that's what I, I think of, and I think that's what Scripture tells us when we talk about the family of God. To love me without cause, really. Just to love me regardless of where I, I am in life. I can't tell you how many countless stories also kind of came into my mind. I mean, I remember being sick and coming home, and, and I knew mom would care for me and just, you know, make me the soup and, and do whatever she needed to do to make sure that that I was, I was comfortable. I, I remember also getting in 
horrific trouble at school, like suspension level at school, and, and not sure, you know, what was going to happen. Now, I experienced consequences when I got home, okay? I, I promise. Um, but, uh, but the reality is, is I never, never questioned about whether or not dad was going to still love me, you know? Like, I never questioned about whether or not my, my family was going to still care for me and still really want me around. Now, think about that for a second. Think about what that does for a child that not just hears that but knows that. What kind of, what does that do for the, the heart and the well-being of a child? What does that do for us as adults to think that there is that, that kind of family for us? Now, I'm not so, I'm not so blind to think um, or, or so narrow-minded to think that everyone in this room or even watching online grew up with a, that kind of family. In fact, you, you may actually have a horrible horrible view of family. Everything about your family might have been negative and devastating. In fact, maybe you don't even experience, you don't even know what I mean when I talk about family. Like that's just, that's been non-existent. But can I just say this morning, and can I submit that Jesus Christ wants to offer you a new definition of family? He wants to offer you a new design of family. In fact, he wants to offer you a new invitation to family. A family that you may not even recognize or maybe ever experienced growing up. But this is what, this is what Jesus wants for us. He wants us to understand family. So what does it mean to be part of the family of God? Well, I think Paul in Ephesians chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to join with me in Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to look at 11 verses this morning. And Paul does, a, I think, a fantastic job of, looking, of helping us understand really what the family of God is. What, what does it mean when we talk about the family, family of God? And, and, and actually how powerful and how, how an ongoing presence of that person that, like, when we come in, like, the person of, like, the family of God is congealed together, not by, not by a, a position or a place, but by a person, and his name's Jesus, and how Jesus literally congeals us together, holds us together, reminds us, shapes us, molds us, and keeps us together. This is the family of God. So if you've got your Bibles, and if you don't have it, it's okay, it's going to be up here on the screen. Ephesians chapter 2, start in verse 11 with me as we look at what the family of God is this morning. This is what Paul says in, in verse 11. He says, don't forget, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews and, uh, who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. Verse 12, in those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Verse 13 says, but now, but now, what, two powerful words, but now, now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were, you were far away from God, but now, now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people 
when his own body, with his, uh, in his own body on the cross. He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together, as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. Our hostility toward each other uh, was put to death. He brought his good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far, far from him, and peace to the Jews who were near to him. Now, now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. Nope. You're citizens. Along with all of God's holy people. You're members of God's family. Together we are his house. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. And we're carefully, we are carefully joined together in him. Becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Heavenly Father, I pray as we look at your word that you would just give us wisdom. Lord Jesus, would we not, we would not listen with human ears, but we would listen with your ears. That we would not, that we would not close off our heart, but, but through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you open our hearts to receive exactly what you want us to receive. God, I pray that if there's someone here that that has never been part of a family, that this morning that maybe they might for the first time understand that the invitation is being offered to them to be a part of a family that they never thought possible, an unconditional, un, uh, all-loving, um, uh, all-accepting uh, family that will love them for not just a lifetime, but for an eternity. This is the gift. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done on the cross. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, so the family, let's... Real briefly, let's, let's walk down this. I love, I love how Paul kind of, kind of crafts things out. And he goes in verse 11, he's like, look, don't, don't forget. Don't forget at some point, um, you were, all you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Now, I, I, I love that, I mean, how he uses this language in this sense. Because at one point, understand this, all of us were, were outsiders. Like we didn't belong. We didn't belong to anything or anyone, like we, we were, if I can say it this way, we were outside of the family of God. Every single one of us in this room at one point or those online, like we were outside this family. And listen, no one likes to be an outsider. No one likes to be an outsider in the family. No one likes to, to walk around eggshells wondering if, if you're gonna, if you're allowed in or, you know, no, no one likes that feeling. I, I don't like that feeling. Like when I come around and, and there's a group, and you can see this sometimes in schools and stuff like that, you, there's a group and you, you're trying to get in and you can't, and, and so you kind of play the game, what are you guys talking about? Are you just like listening? And, and, but, but you're the outsider, like you're the third wheel. And, and Paul's going, look, at one point, all of us, all of us, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile, so that means all, all of us, uh, we're all outsiders. 
at some point. Because see, understand this, what he means by outsiders is you at one point, you were all born spiritually dead. And so by sheer birth, you are outsiders to the family of God. See, because the family of God is defined as, um, it's made up of the children of God. It's made up of the children of God. And, children of, and the children of God are led by their heavenly father. They're, it just, you can see this family picture. Who loves them and he gave, and, and, and how do we become children of God? It is by his son, Jesus Christ, who made a way for us to, to move from spiritual death to spiritual life. It's, it's, the, it's the means, it's the bridge, it's the access point by which we move from being outsiders to all of a sudden being insiders, being part of something we never thought possible. This is how, this is how God kind of defines what the family of God. You have to be, and, and he, in, when you look at John, and, his, and Jesus interacting with a, with a guy named Nicodemus, he goes, you, you got to be born again. Now, Nicodemus didn't fully understand this, but, Nic- but what Jesus was saying is, is you literally have to, uh, an act of creation has to happen. You, 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 you transfer, you become what you once were into something brand new. The old is passed away. Behold, all things become new. This is that pathway from moving to, from death to life, blind to seeing, lost to being part of the family of God. That's what this is. This is what, this is what Paul is getting at. And he's like, and in those days when we are living on that side of things, in verse 12, he's like, you're living apart from Christ. You're doing what you want. You're, you're living outside of the family. You're, you're, and, and some of you may even understand that from your own family. It's like, I, my family is heading in a specific direction, but I'm forging my own path. Maybe because you didn't like your family. Maybe because it was whatever it is. Or, or maybe your family is chasing after the heart of Jesus, but you're just choosing your own way anyway. This is what you've kind of ex- experienced in doing that. But God has so much more. See, the family of God, if I can say it, and Paul says this multiple times through the book of Ephesians and in multiple books of the New Testament, he's like, the family is the church. But see, the church isn't our four walls. The church um, is not uh, a program. The church isn't even Sunday morning. You know what the church is? It's children of God, people that have given their heart put their faith, their hope, and trust in Jesus Christ alone. This is the church. This is the family of God. These are the children of God. And as children of God, we are led by the Heavenly Father, which is why constantly through Scripture, God uses the family to describe the church. Constantly he describes the family, the chosen people, the nation of Israel. Like there's this family unit and he's using all those things and help us to understand what we actually belong to. God saw you when you were lost and he brings you into this fold. It's an incredible thing. See, this family of brothers and sisters in Christ are more deeply connected to us than any other relationship. So as brothers and sisters in Christ, man, there's, there's something deeper and so what Paul is even saying here is he's going, your, your connection with each other here in the church goes deeper than blood. 
Like, I love Wyatt Earp, where he's like blood sucker in water, everyone else is just strangers, okay? All right? Have you seen that movie? Um, here's the reality. Paul's going, I'm going to take it a step further and go, no, your relationship with Christ infuses you and your hearts and your souls more deeply, more soundly, more firmly than anything blood or genealogy could offer you. There's a deeper connection here. Even more than our earthly families, and that's sometimes hard, especially if you're really close to your earthly family. We share a spiritual unity through our common father, God. So in this family of God, I think there's a couple things we need to be aware of that, that I think you'll always find. And for me, this just gives me hope. And I just want to share with you this hope. The hope of actually what it means to be part of the family of God. I think the first thing that you'll, you're always going to find in the family of God is you're going to always find, you're always going to find forgiveness. Forgiveness. Now I want you to just think about that for a second. You're always, not maybe, not sometimes, you're always going to find forgiveness. And I think some of us this morning really not just need to hear that, but you need to know that. You need to, but Joel, you don't, under, you don't understand the choices that I made. I completely, and you know, God goes, forgiven. But Joel, you know, I, I, I'm just, I'm walking through these ad addictions and I, and I don't know if I'm even worth forgiven. Do you see this? There's, there's nothing that's so far gone there's nothing that is so wounding to yourself or anyone around you that God doesn't look at you and say, you're my child. You belong. Forgiven. It doesn't matter. Joel, you don't understand that. Some of the secrets that came out, I've been having an affair on my wife or I've been having an affair on my husband. Forgiven. It's not so far gone that it's not forgiven. That his grace can't reach it. That his mercy doesn't touch it. That his love doesn't wash over it. This is what it means to be part of this family. The family of God. I love what he says in verses. He's like, don't forget you used to be far. You used to not be a citizen. He goes, he goes you were excluded from citizenship. And I think we're all familiar a little bit with citizenship, right? When we talk about it in the news and, and we're, you know, there, there's all, you know, with all the, the Afghan immigrants that are coming in and, and just a number of different things that are going on, I, I think we understand, if we think about it from an American standpoint, we think and understand the rights of citizenship to, to vote, to be able to drive a car in order to, you know, function in these kinds of ways and, and be able to make a, make a living for themselves and start anew and maybe buy a house and so on and so forth. He goes, at one point, we didn't have any of those rights as a family. I wasn't a fa family member. I didn't have rights to, to the, the rights that God provides for us. I didn't, I didn't have access to those things. He goes, and at one, at one point, you were excluded from the blessing of this forgiveness that was offered to all. He goes, but now, but now. But Joel, I don't, but now, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. You've been united. But, but Joel, I don't understand. But now you've been united. You've been united with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, 
the everlasting God, the Savior of the universe, that made a way when there was no way, but now you're united with Him. You're united with Him. You're, you're brought in. Once you were far away, but now you have been brought near to Him through His blood. Yeah, you didn't earn it. Yeah, you didn't buy your way into the family. Yeah, none, none of that is true. But now you have been forgiven. Forgiven of everything. That means past. That means present. And guess what that also means? That means future. There's, that means future. You know why? Because tomorrow I'm going to sin. Yeah, it's going to happen. Promise. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tick right over a little bit of that, that speed limit. And unfortunately, I might even mean to. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm just I'm, okay, I'm letting it out there, okay? And you know what? Sometimes we, we go there because, you know why? Because we're, we're born into sin. We're born with like wicked hearts. And we got this thing called, uh, this husk called our flesh. And it, man, it just chases after what it wants. But God goes, but now, but now you're, you're washed. You're forgiven. There's nothing that you've done that, that should weigh over you. There's nothing that, that Satan can go, oh gosh, you're so horrible. Now, no, you know what you do? You look the adversary back in that, but now I'm united with Jesus. I'm part of a family. You have no power here. That's, that's the family. I love, he goes, um, everything changes when you're part of the family of God. No longer are you uh, on the outskirts. No longer are you living as this, this, this uh, kind of this tainted nomad. You know, we're just trying to make it and, and you see all maybe some good things and over here and over there and you're like, why is that guy joyful and I'm not? Why is, and God goes, no, you're, you're forgiven. Everything changes. I love what Matthew 8, 1 through 3 says. It says this, and it's the story of the, the leper that was interacting with Jesus. It says, suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. And he's like, Lord, can you see this? He's like, Lord, Lord, the man said, if you're willing, you know what you can do? You, you can heal me. You can make me clean. Now in that moment, again, leprosy was like, man, don't touch me. Don't come around me. You're on the outskirts of town. You don't belong here. Um, and, uh, and, and, and maybe by some miraculous thing, you might get healed and then you, maybe you can come back in this. No, and Jesus easily especially according to the day and the traditions of that day and the way people normally treated them, he could have said, you know, I, you can get out of here, okay? I don't have time for this. But what does Jesus do? He says, Jesus reached out and he touched him. And he says, I'm willing. I'm willing. And he said, be healed. Be healed. And instantly, Instantly, the leprosy disappeared. This is what forgiveness is. This, is. this is how incredible forgiveness is. Nothing, you know what? Nothing makes you feel more like an outsider than unforgiveness, right? When, when you feel like you're unforgiven, no matter what you do, no matter, it's, it's like you're always on the outside, but God goes, no, I'm willing I'm going to touch you. I'm going to reach out and I'm going to touch you. And I'm going to instantly 
heal you, instantly forgive you. This is the hope we have in Jesus. This is incredible. I remember one night that I came home um, and I was at a place that I shouldn't have been. <laughs> I was at a party and, and the truth is, is I was engaging in things that I, I definitely um, should not have been a part of. And I remember I got home and, and somehow, you know, the way parents do, they just know things and um, they just know things. They're like, we know. And we're like, how do you know? There's a network. I've learned this. There's a network. Okay, all right. Um, but they, I came home and I just, I just saw on how sad my parents were when I saw their faces. They were just, they were sad. However, I just remember, even to this day, the first words out of my parents' mouth we love you. That was just the first words. They didn't go, how dare you? They didn't bash me. The first words are like, we love you. We love you. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't deserve that. And they're just, we love you. We forgive you. And see, this is what Jesus offers to us. Every time. This is not, it's not even a maybe, every time. Billy Graham said this, he goes, you know, amazing things can happen when the family of God actually bands together. We've been shown grace, we've been shown mercy, we've been shown forgiveness by Jesus Christ. And in him, we're able to allow his grace, his mercy and forgiveness to flow out of us to the people God has placed in our Lives. See, not only are we forgiven, but you know what we get to do? We get to pour that forgiveness out to everyone else around us, which is why God says, love everybody, including your enemies. And the only way that we can do that is, you know why? Is because he first loved us. He first forgave us. See, forgiveness is possible. Love is possible. So Michelle and I, we, we went on this venture of, of, of potentially buying a dog at one point, and... Um, and we got scammed. I mean, we, 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 we totally got st- scammed for, for almost $1,000. <laughs> yeah, that was hard, okay? That was really hard. But I sent, I sent um, these people a text message. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, did you tell them? Hmm? <laughs> I wanted to. But you know what I told them? I said, I love you. I forgive you. And apparently you needed that money more than we, my children needed a dog. And it's okay. I pray that it blesses you. That's not me. <laughs> it's not me. It's Jesus. I can't do that. But we can because of who Jesus is, be, by being his children, by being part of his family. The other thing you're going to find is you're going to find acceptance. You're going to always find acceptance. Look at verse 14. It says, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when his own bo- with his own body on the cross. He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between the Jews and the Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, 
Christ reconciled. He reconciled both groups to God by his means of death on the cross, and our hostility towards each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far from him. So what does acceptance mean? What does that include, Joel? I mean, obviously, it can mean a number of different things, but but Paul, he kind of lays it out. He goes, you know, the first thing acceptance means, it means peace. It means peace. It means you don't have to prove yourself. It means, uh, it means in Revelation 21, 3 and 5, and I love how, how the Lord puts it. He goes, I-, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people, his people, us. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death, no more sorrow, crying or pain. All these things are gone forever and the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. Meaning there's no more friction. There's no more uh, but sin and God. At one point, God is going to completely reconcile everything. He is going to bring peace to all the enemies of the world and he will bring un- and he everything is under his authority and he will right what is wrong he will bring peace to your heart peace when we understand that we love to think like nationally speaking but think about it in your own heart you got peace or is it just every morning is it just seem like a war going on in your life it's this battle he's like no there's peace you're not a, you're not an enemy of god anymore when you know jesus This is, you're no longer rejected. What a great thought. What a great feeling. And I didn't even have to prove myself. I didn't even have to perform. You're no longer rejected. You're at peace. D.A. Carson uh, said this, and I love it. He says, it's an an eternal, internal ceasefire. I love the way he put that. It's an eternal, internal ceasefire. That's so true. I mean, forever and ever and ever from now until eternity's uh, end, because and, and, eternity's just going to keep going, uh, there's no more conflict, there's no more war. It's an eternal, internal ceasefire. Death to hostility is the second. Not only is there peace, but, but here's the reality. All violence, all malicious intent no longer remains. Do you realize that So, if there's a brother or sister of a different nationality, or a different race, or a different background, or social status, or any of that, none of that matters anymore. So all the anger, all the hostility, all the frustration that we get so wrapped up in is not of God. You know why? Because God wants all to come and become children of God. And when they are children of God, guess what? He brings all hostility to a close. There's no more hostility. He says, uh, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. And then he goes on to say, he goes, hostility towards each other was put to death. So why are we fighting? Sometimes the greatest conflict is actually inside this house. Sometimes we're fighting so much against each other that we're not even be able to obey what God is asking of us outside those doors when we're apart. Do you understand? The hostility is not of God. Lay down the hostility and the anger and the animosity. Verse 16 also says, he goes, together as one body Christ 
reconciled both groups. We're one body. We're not multiple bodies. We're not siloed bodies. We are one family. It's not a family over, over in, in Europe. It's not a family over in Africa. It's not a family over in Asia. It's not a family over in Australia. It's not a family in South America. It's not a family in North America or wherever else on the planet. We are family. We are one people under one God with one purpose, unified by the blood of Jesus Christ. And he's going, look, everything's going to be reconciled by Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. I love, is, uh, I love Elizabeth Elliot. You know what she, she, if you know anything about her story, her husband was murdered, murdered. And she got to, later on, as time went on, she got to know her murderer, the, the murderer that actually killed her husband. And they became best friends. In fact, she, the, he flew to the States and they spent time together. I mean, it was incredible. I mean, what, what, uh, he reconcile, God reconciles everything. He does what only God can do. The final thing, and we got we to we move. The final thing is, is this. Not only will you find forgiveness, not only will you find acceptance, you're always going to be a part of a family. doesn't matter where you go in life. You're always going to be part. You belong. Do you know that? You belong. Now all of us, verse 18, now all of us can come to the Father. All of us can. Through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So what does it mean to be part of this family? What does it mean, Joel? It means that you permanently belong. Nothing can remove you from his hand. Nothing. Do you understand that, that, that what kind of what kind of position that puts us, you should walk around, not in arrogant pride, but in humble submission that God would hold on to me even though I lived a life that never wanted him. This is what Jesus goes, no, I'm going to hold on. It doesn't, I love you. I died for you, not based on how well you performed that day, but because I have you. I chose you. You belong to me. You're mine. You belong to me. And when you're, in, when you're in the family of God, guess what? Nothing can rip you from his hand. What confidence. You permanently belong. There's no, and, and again, maybe you're thinking, my family experience is really bad, so maybe you get this idea of, uh, this is just a temporary living arrangement. Maybe that was your idea of family. I have a temporary a living arrangement. Or, or uh, you know, there's no chance, uh, uh, maybe if you uh, understand this, maybe you part of the foster system, guess what? There's no chance of you ever being returned. You're never going to be given back. You belong. You belong. Romans 8, 14 through 16 says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children, children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's Spirit when He adopted you. And he doesn't return you. He adopted you as his own children. Now we can call him Abba Father, which means daddy. We can call him daddy. He's, he's daddy. Even if your earthly daddy wasn't, wasn't around, he's daddy. And he loves you. And he has the best in mind for you. And he wants to make you more than you possibly could think and, and bring you down a path of such, of, of such, and now I'm not saying it's going to be easy. Listen, family's not easy, right? 
okay? We're on some journeys. And, and we have conflict and we have issues, but you know what? You belong. Nothing's ever going to change that. The second thing in regard to what it means to be part of the family is we may all be spiritual immigrants because we are. Don't, you and I are spiritual immigrants. We are lost, born in sin. We are not inside. We are outsiders. And so we are spiritual immigrants. And you know what? We come over, but we have the full rights as citizens now. God, Jesus goes, you belong to me. So all the rights and privileges of being part of a family are yours. They're yours. They belong. You belong. As God's family, we are his arms, his legs on the earth. From, uh, from hugs and words of comfort to feeding hungry bellies, we operate by the love of God to spread the love of God to all his people. This is what it means. Is as even though we were once lost, we're now found. Once we were immigrants, but now we belong as citizens of a heavenly body, a family of God. And we are called to actually share this with, with a dark world that knows nothing about family, that doesn't understand what it means to belong, that doesn't man, understand what forgiveness and acceptance looks like, doesn't understand what it means to be part of family. The last thing is, is in this, I love this, you all have access to dad. Now think about that. See, there used to be a veil that separated man from God himself. It was a big, thick veil. It was almost a three three feet thick veil between it. When you look at the temple in the Old Testament, there was a three foot thick veil and it was massive. And if you walked in there and you weren't purified, you know what would happen? You would die. So a lot of the time when the priest would go in, they'd wrap a rope around the waist of the priest just in case he didn't purify himself. <laughs> Oh, is he still moving? No. The reality is, is, is there was a veil that separated us from God. When Jesus came, you know what? It said the veil torn, and it tore from the top down. It was almost like God was going, I'm done. Come on in. Come on in. You belong. You're, you have access, and you are part of this family. You belong Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I love this. And I, this is where I want to end. I want to end with the fact that Jesus Christ is our cornerstone. He's our cornerstone. And if you don't understand, see, way back when, when they used to build buildings, literally there was like a cornerstone that, that a lot of the, the, how the walls would come together, if that cornerstone was to crumble or fall apart, so goes the building, okay? Not quite so much like that in the architecture today, but the point he's trying to make in this moment is he's going, Christ is the cornerstone. He's the one that holds everything together. He's the one that, that pulls and ties everything together, knits everything together, and makes everything work and fit together. It's because of Jesus. Jesus is our cornerstone. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. This is what it means. And through that, guess what? You have victory. You're part of a family. You have forgiveness. You have acceptance. You have access. You're part. You belong. Everyone who believes in Jesus Christ has become a child of God. First John tells us this. 
And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God, uh, for every child of God defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. You know how you live every day as a child of God? You trust that Jesus is enough. That's what it's saying. Jesus is going to get you through today. He's going to get you through tomorrow. It's like that, that, it's that light at the house. It's always home. It's always on. It's always ready to receive you. Always ready to, 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 to well, you sick? Yeah, come on. It's okay. You're part. It's going to care for you. You're walking through something? Yeah, we're, let's do it together. You're lost? Guess what? We're all going to get out there. We're going to fight for you. We're going to look for you. We're going to search for you. And who can win this battle against this, this world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Church, family, listen, the reason why it's so important that Christ is our cornerstone, you have to understand this, is because Jesus Christ wants us to live in unity. Hear me. He wants us to live in unity, and he wants us to be of one voice. See, the family, the very existence of it speaks to unity. Why do you think the adversary is trying to fight against the family? There's a reason. Because if the family's separated and all over, guess what? We're not very strong. We kind of fall apart and, and people go this way and that way and we're, we're fighting against each other. But if we're a family, you know what we become? We become unified. And we become strong. And we become woven together by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we become one voice, a powerful voice. And I'm telling you, we better not lose our voice in, our, in the day and age that we're in right now. We better fight. We better fight for what God has established here. We better fight for what is right. We need to fight for the things that are good, the things of God. We need to fight against the things that are evil. Now, I'm not trying to get political here. That's not, what, that's not my goal here. What I'm saying is, is our adversary is after your children and your children's children and trying to rob you of everything that is good and wholesome and pure in this world. And if we're not a family, we will fall apart. But if we're a family, we will stand behind one voice and one God that will see us through even the darkest of days. And I don't know about you, but for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. The question is, are you?